Oh yeah. By far Past the best. Week. It's the most oh, yeah. wonderful time yeah. of the Christmas year. Christmas bells. Oh my gosh. Silver oh, bells. Yes. You sound almost silver eerily. Silver bells. I mean, it sounds exactly like that. You're basically Andy Williams. All right, welcome everyone to the Being Church podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm Tom. I'm Elisa. And I'm Father Matthew. And this is the third week of Advent. This is, is Gaudete week. Is that an actual, is that a thing? I know there's Gaudete I'll, I'll, Sunday. We'll go for it. There's a whole we'll week of it. joy. Happy Gaudete week of Advent. <laughs> That's awesome. I'd much prefer to celebrate for a week. Uh, me too. Yeah. Joy is a fun thing. Yeah. So we should celebrate it for a long time. Uh, we are in the third week. And so the third chapter of our book on the infancy narratives mm-hmm. and, uh, father, you were saying that you've been talking to people and they're like, I wasn't going to buy the book because I don't like to read, but the podcasts have made me want. Well, to buy I don't book. know if it was that I don't like to read. I inserted that part. That was me. <laughs> that, 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 that seems like that's that a me. little interpretation of <laughs> what I was doing. But there were people who were saying that, oh, I didn't think I was going to get around to it. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, or I didn't think I would have time for it. Uh, but then they, they turned around or, or that I'd been meaning to, but I just like, this had been on their actual reading list. Yeah. Right. Right. And then they came back and they're like, Oh, but you guys were so like, it was so, you know, nice listening to you guys talk about you it. You guys are just so social and so happy that it was just, just want, I just get caught up we in the excitement of royalties. It. Pope Benedict, this I is the know. best sales he's ever had I, for this book. I told Junior actually <laughs> last night. Best marketing. I told him that this has been the most surprising portion of my advent to slow down and to actually study, which is not really how I spiritually go at things. Hmm. And so this has been very surprising that studying this has helped me grow so much in love of the nativity. I'm shocked. And I was was like, man, I feel like I need to thank Tom and Father Matthew for like having this idea. You're welcome. Because at first I was like, we're going to, we're going to do what? We're going to read who? Like that seems very hard right before. It's yeah. just a gentle well, and this grandpa. is this is more fun doing it together. Oh yes, yeah. it helps. You know, I mean, I just yes. read it just straight, and I was like, meh. But then we're like, we we, <laughs> we're like, we read it together, oh, and it was a lot more fun. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That, that was like that my entire true. theology career. I would go home with Aquinas, and I was like, this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> and then I read it in class to people. I was like, oh, oh that makes so much yeah, more sense. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> okay, that's great. So yeah, let's jump in. So uh, what did Padre? You've been our lead and our guide throughout uh, this whole yes. thing. So well, uh, what do you want to talk about first? So uh, so I wanted to look at this as far as... Uh, so I, as I was reading this, I'm imagining the the nativity scene that you know, you have on your, on your, your hearth back at home, yeah. right. Or on your dining room table or whatever. Actually, I have my, my nativity scene right up here in my office. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I love it. Beautiful I like that. little nativity scene my grandparents gave to me. And cool. so I, 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 I keep it up. I, I basically, I keep it up like all year round. Cause I just, I like it, you know, yeah. I don't, don't put it away, but uh, I was imagining this nativity scene and like that this whole chapter and even sort of the next chapter too is, is, is almost this like reflection because you see the nativity scene and there's like always these little details about the scene. Mm-hmm. And here, uh, like the Pope is able to like the, the Pope, Pope Emeritus, right. But he's, he's able to like, Emeritus. you know, <laughs> 
top level like yeah. theologian and scripture scholar and stuff like that. And yeah. he's able to go in and be like, oh, and did you ever notice that this was, oh, I had no idea why that was there. Right. right? Why that yeah. ox is there. I'm like, really? Pope? I know. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a reason. There's yes. a history to it. And so this is yeah. going to be, I think this is going to be fun. I imagine this is almost sort of like a, like a, a meditative reflection on you know, a, a, a nativity scene. Yeah, because I'm, we're getting to the event. Right. Mm-hmm. Like right. this, mm-hmm. this is what happened. And there's a lot of, I mean, you know, the genealogy is, I said this earlier, spiritually rich, but it's almost a little more difficult to relate to your life mm-hmm. than, mm-hmm. you know, giving birth to a baby or right. a baby, which is the point of it all, mm-hmm. which is the point of the incarnation. Mm-hmm. That's easier to relate God to our lives. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I, I want to look at this though a little bit before we get like, before we zoom in yep. specifically onto the nativity scene, sort of the background because this is this was worthwhile for to recognize the the background that exists for the nativity scene, and sure. that is really uh, like and Pope he, Francis. He was, spends some not Pope Francis, time. Pope Benedict. Yeah, he spends substantial amount of time. Well, on it's that. important yeah. because it's the contrast that we see happening here. Because it's you know I always remember like you watch these Christmas specials, like a Charlie Brown Christmas special or something. Right. And there's, and there's Linus and he gets up there and he starts off, you know, in the time of Caesar Augustus, a decree went forth and you're like, who the heck cares about Caesar Augustus? That is no part of Christmas. Jesus. Right. Right. It's about Jesus. And yet Luke, and then here Pope Benedict is pointing out, no, 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 this is, this is actually the, the name drop here was not just for, you know, like purposes of like, well, that way you can tell what year it was. Historical purposes. Mm -hmm. It's got a thematic meaning to it because what we're looking at here is um, something that like we probably wouldn't recognize being 20 centuries removed from it, but in the time would have been very much part of the culture, very much part of it. This was a time when with the ascendancy of the Roman emperors, um, the Roman emperors, um, Julius Caesar, like the first, and then Augustus is the first like real emperor mm-hmm. that only happened like 50. No. Yeah. Something like 50 years earlier. Hmm. So it's, it, this was a new thing that was happening that yeah. there was this like absolute Roman imperial rule. And Augustus who was very clever about wanting to make sure that he could cement this, right? Because this was new. Nobody knew if this was going to be a thing. We think of the Roman Empire as like this inevitable thing, but nobody knew that it was like going to be a thing, right? right? So, and Augustus was um, very much wanting, as the first like real emperor, wanted to make sure that the people were on board with this project. So, he started coming up with all these big things. We have these like uh, big monuments to to Caesar Augustus, yeah, right? Yeah. And they would have on there uh, outlining things like, and so now Caesar Augustus, who is ruler of the whole world, mm, yeah, right, this was right. a big thing. Yeah. Like, and not only was he ruler of the whole world, so ruler worldwide. Keep those ideas in mind. Mm-hmm. He also describes himself as the savior. Yep. Right. Cause and he he's ushered in like a time of peace or yes. something. Yes. This is the, uh, what we would now call the, the Pax Romani. Right. Exactly. The, 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 the Roman peace. Um, and that, yeah, this was, I mean, this was all propaganda. 
Right. right. Yeah. But it would have been. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what it sounds like, right? Oh, it, it 100% is. the situation. Right. Like, okay, whatever. You know, I mean, not unprecedented. Again, this <laughs> was the first time that you saw anything like this um, on this scale yeah. since Alexander the Great. Mm-hmm. So this was really something that, that everybody would have understood the idea that, but do you, and, and then the other, the final title that Caesar Augustus uh, claimed was uh, to be son of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was this theological figure too. Right, yeah. right, right. There was and a religious was, figure. Yeah, uh-huh. it was yeah, interesting right. that he made that. that um, it was kind of stated in there that at this time there was no distinction between politics and religion. Like it was all like one thing. So it mm-hmm. made sense for him to like give himself this title. Oh, because- yeah, absolutely. And you, and, and to give this the background, right? I think the, the appropriate background, um, Caesar Augustus, he has, uh, he gets them, uh, the, the court poet Aeneid to mm-hmm. write this epic poem of, uh, the, the Aeneid, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Virgil to write the Aeneid here. And, uh, in this, this is all about how, the founding of Rome actually came from like the Greek wars of the, you know, uh, over there. And, uh, this is all sort of like laying down the background so that you can be able to show how, uh, the, the, the gods of the Olympians, right. Were actually involved in human history and that they were involved in the founding of Rome. Hmm. And Julius Caesar actually claimed that his family heritage goes all the way back to Aphrodite. This dude. Gods making a kingdom uh, and the savior being linked to those gods. Boom. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Boom. That's exactly what so, Caesar Augustus is claiming here. Right. Okay. And so just, tell us, Father. I know where you're, I know yeah, where you're yeah, going. Yeah. But How, it's just, what does this have to do with the importance <laughs> we of all know Caesar where you're Augustus? <laughs> I know, right? this part, during so, well, this no, portion. See, I'm just enjoying being like a classics nerd at this yes. point. But, you know. You can tell. Um, we're enjoying watching you. <laughs> yes. However, classics nerd. It's, but, but this is context yeah. for biblical studies as yeah. well. Because, all right, so now... What are you seeing? All of this is floating around in the background. All of this propaganda sort of stuff is happening in the background. People know the story. They've been, they're being bombarded by it, yeah. uh, for, from the Roman, uh, I, you know, ideas and, 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 um, promoters. Now, all of a sudden, here's Luke. And he comes in and he says, well, there's this, you know, name drop, Caesar Augustus, boom, decree from Caesar Augustus. And, then we go on to hear the story of this new king who's mm-hmm. going to be born. Mm-hmm. King, worldwide dominion, that uh, is lauded as a savior and a bringer of peace. And the son of God. And the son of God. Right. So, and these all details, we're going to, like, we'll pick out the details yeah. as we we'll look at the, yeah, the it's, more clear. It's interesting. Clearly. So, the Jews, obviously, were awaiting a savior. Mm-hmm. We're, I mean... Was that like a thing in Rome? Like, or was it just like sort of a search for power? Like, oh, that sounds like a good story. <laughs> Jewish people, it's we're going to uh, do that too. I don't know. Like, no, I mean, so because the Romans were not Jewish. No, they right? were not. They, were, they were not. They, but there were people have gone back and looked and seen that there were certain um, um, kind of stories and poetry that, yeah. that did kind of indicate, wow, there would be this new era that would come and a, and a child would be born who would usher in this new era of great peace. But again, you know, some of that stuff was like, 
here's Virgil writing, right, yeah. you know, this thing. But that was because the Roman emperors were already in power and were saying, oh, yeah, that'd be a nice thing to have. Sure, right. sure. That to validate like, everything that, like that we're... Yeah, yeah. check. That was, just, that was when you were talking, I was like, but they were they waiting for someone? But they, I guess, were just always... It's an interesting conversation. Yeah. C.S. Lewis has yeah. more to say on this, but I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. cool. Very good. All right, sorry. Continue with your... Oh, okay. Uh, your flow. I think that was <laughs> no. I think that was the big thing because um, you know it, it again. That's the backdrop now, right? Right. There, there, and and here's Mary and Joseph, uh, and they have to follow the rules of yeah. this king, this savior, this quote son of God, right? Who's demanding that the whole world come in for uh, a census, which is a total power move, well, by the way. So, it's the, funny, the census because yeah. Benedict's like, yeah, Caesar didn't know that he was playing right into the hands of the, of the no uh, prophecy, right. right? Like he had no idea. He was <laughs> it's his own demise. He was authoring. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it's ironic. It is ironic. <laughs> so we we and and this idea between like the kingdoms of this world and how the rulers of this world, um rule mm-hmm. and how they, they make their power felt. Mm-hmm. This is an, imp- like, this is critically important for yeah. the whole gospel to understand. Yes, Jesus is setting up a kingdom, but it's not going to be using the same tactics as what the kingdoms of this world look like. Oh, a lot hinges on this throughout the pages of what Pope Benedict is talking about. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it, it is completely and utterly different than uh, the norms. Yeah. You know, this is not just like a, like a heartwarming story of a family who kind of endures through hardship or, or, or something like that. This is a direct challenge. Oh, Caesar Augustus, you think you're the most important thing in the world. Look at this baby. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. This... It's a reversal of values, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. What do you, yeah. It's a reversal of values. That's the whole yeah. story. Yeah, that's the whole thing. So, okay. Um, so then I guess with that background, what I would love to do is just kind of get you guys' uh, – I mean, we can just take our pick at this point. We're looking at sure. the nativity scene. And like every single detail about the nativity scene suddenly is imbued with meaning that I had no idea – actually existed there what did what did y'all see well when, this? okay go ahead elisa because you loved this no yeah. i mean i just i think that the just that point that he literally takes every part of the nativity and has uh something to say about what it means or like even the historical context that is right. uh, involved with that item, just just every single thing, and he makes it just very real mm-hmm. um, and approachable, I guess, because there's so much about each. I mean, he starts with the cave, mm-hmm. and then he just mm-hmm. works all the way through, through so the animals. So it's, so it's not a it's not a, a stable like with a little wooden no, roof with on the thatch, it and stuff. like the swaddling clothes. He talks about <laughs> right. it, all of it. All of it has meaning. The cave was interesting. And I guess I'd never, because you always think of, I mean, our nativity scenes are always like in a stable of sorts, mm-hmm. right? Even the one in the chapel. But like, there was no room anywhere for Joseph or Mary. There was no room. So they had to go, <laughs> they had to go find someplace, yeah. someplace to, to give birth. It's, it's just, it's when you, when you change the scene, it means a lot 
more, I think. Mm-hmm. It means a lot more. Well, okay. and that the savior is in a it just it's just mind-boggling really. Well, and and so then the details of it, right, as it as it comes in, it's a cave, right? And he points out the fact that like we even still have a church of the nativity that's like on the spot yeah. where like there's pretty good reason to think that that's very close to if not the exact place, you know, right. uh where that where that happened. Like you can go to that place. Um but you know, here here's a cave, right? Mm-hmm. And then the swaddling clothes, yes. right? What is it swaddling clothes? Well, yeah, you know, kind of wrap them up and and stuff like that. Well, where else did we see Jesus in a cave wrapped up in clothes? That's the the death. It's the tomb. That's the tomb. Right. Right. So there's already like forward foreshadowing motifs of Yeah, from the very beginning of his life, he was rejected. From the very beginning, yeah, he's he outside was, of the city, yeah. like was, in Jerusalem, when they kicked him out, out to go. Yeah, there was no room. There's no place. Like, yeah, which kind of just follows the way Pope Benedict started the whole book by talking about the passion. So right. here again, yeah. you know what I mean? He's he's pointing to all of these um, is similarities. That, is that a little depressing? That this joyous moment. Well, okay, I know it's not depressing because through Jesus's death we have life, but like that his whole life is oriented towards his crucifixion and his death. Well, and the resurrection, right? Yeah, you're you're yeah. in the tomb. Why? Because this is going to be the seed that is planted into the ground that is now going right. to give birth to a whole new plant that's 30, 60, 100 fold well, times what it was. think about the resurrection. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it is hard. <laughs> it's, 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 it I will happy. say that that has been the part of this book that's been kind of like really stark it has brought me to to the part of Advent that I've always kind of like, oh yeah, but that's not really important. If uh, the penitential part, right? Like I want to put up the tree and I want to I want to be joyful and all of that stuff. And I don't yeah. really want to, I I don't really want to pay attention to the part right. that asks me to to uh, to be sorry and to reflect and to meditate on these. Uh, the reason why he came. So I, I think you're right. This this portion was hard because he did point a lot of it points to um, his passion. Yeah. Well, and even the the story itself is a lot darker than we ever give it credit for. Yeah. It's right. Like not we a think of you know story. holy night, <laughs> and it's just this you know silent right. night, holy, yes. and everything is just peaceful and tranquil. And so I, this was a mess. It was a mess. This was an absolute unmitigated disaster. And anybody who's had a baby not or me. been in a birth That's not me. understands <laughs> understands that it's not really, I mean, it's it, there is a force of nature that's happening. You are not comfortable. It is not. And to be in a cave. Um, to be in an unsanitary location with animals. Dark. Right. Like there were no lights. <laughs> After having been on a, dar- a donkey for... God knows how this, long. Yeah, this is not like it really asks us. The imagination really asks us, asks us when we really pay attention to each part to really be present to something like you said is kind of a mess. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's a dark yeah story when you when you look at it. It's only through the eyes of faith that we can see God is accomplishing something really miraculous yeah. going on here. But just watching the situation, if you were just a fly in the wall watching the situation, like, oh. you'd be like, oh yeah. You'd be like, oh, this poor couple, man, this is they've not, got, yeah. they're, they're, this is not, things are not going to go well for this. against them. 
Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Can you help me understand father a little bit of, um, the part of the animals pointing to the firstborn? That part was a little bit, do you remember that part? I, I have notes for both of those things, but not both of those things together. So I, I saw the animals. Right. Right. So what, so what did you have on that? Right. So, uh, what they they point to is the inclusion of these animals is a, uh, obviously they're not in the narrative, right? They're not part of the St. Luke account of this, mm. that there's animals there, but they're always there. Right. Sure. And it seems like it's very specific. It's not just like random animals. It's not, sometimes it's a chicken and right. sometimes it's a lamb, you know, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's always, there's the, the donkey mm-hmm. and the ox, mm-hmm. Right. Right. And this seems to be, or at least Pope Benedict is, is in, enlightening us about how this points to uh, a passage from Isaiah 13, uh, in which um, there's a uh, kind of unrelated passage. But the unrelated passage says, well, even a, uh, a donkey or an ox knows its master, right. but you, O Israel, don't know your Lord when he comes. So thematically, like, like it's a totally different topic right. as far as right. the, the scripture goes, but thematically it's trying to bring back the fact that here, um, you know, the people don't recognize mm-hmm. that, that the, that the Lord has come. And yet in this kind of spiritual imagination, uh, they're uh, imagining the idea that the, that these two creatures do know. Mm-hmm. Like they recognize, and that's why they're always like. You see those pictures where they're like leaning over, like 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 over, and oh, like yeah. like looking, like they're right, right, right. staring intently. The 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 donkey and the ox are staring intently at the creature. That's this. They know their master, even though the right. people do not. Like here's nature, as it were, uh, looking out on this. Apparently, there's also another idea that these two animals um, could represent uh, in the in the Jewish tradition. The ox and the donkey could represent the uh, Jews and the Gentiles, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure exactly which one matches with which, which one. I know I was trying to think. It's sort of, I don't know, I don't know if this is like a, a you know a, a, a donkeys and elephants thing, like you know, yeah, with, right, you know, exactly. The way that we do I was, that. I was thinking that, so I was rereading this this morning, and I was like, I wonder if it was. He was born between an elephant and a donkey. And then Americans I, would be like, oh, oh we, get it, like, we get it. Yeah, <laughs> but I recognize the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> that, and there you go. That I think yeah. is a good way of thinking about like the, right. the uh, you know, attribution of these kind of animals yeah, to the situation very here. Um, so that was, you know, that, again, we're looking at our activity scene. Why do we have these animals here? Why is it always these two? And why are they like looking so carefully? Why aren't they just like stupid animals like looking around? No. That's that's part of the pay scripture right. that is being referenced here. Speaking of paying attention, so he goes on to talk about the shepherds also. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that, I think, was my favorite part because he talked about how, um, how the lowly, like shepherds are the least, right? right. And, um, and that the lowly were the ones who um, knew about, about this, um, this baby. And um, that shepherds tended to be watchful. So mm. these were kind of mm-hmm. two things that really, for me, stuck out for me on how to kind of uh, imitate these first people who were a part of this um uh, th- this incredible event was that they were lowly and they were watchful. And yeah. I feel like those are two 
things for me that I really struck me about the, the way that he described the, stru- uh, my, the shepherds. My favorite line in all that was, they represent the poor of Israel, the poor in general, God's first love. God's it's first just love. like, yeah, it's, that's really beautiful because God loves the poor. It's really cool that God announced his birth to the shepherds, his son's birth to the shepherds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is wild to me. So that brings us, of course, to the angel, yes. right? So we've got, so we've got now, we've got, you know, our cave, we've got, yeah. you know, the shepherds, we've got the angel, right? And here's this, this angel and it shows up. And of course, as we've, we've spoken about before, you know, the first thing that happens when you see an angel, right? Like They're everybody's right. terrified, yes, right? right? Yes. So it's fear that then leads to joy because the angel says, well, I bring this message of great joy. Now here, here's where we go back to that background, uh, of contrasting Jesus with Caesar Augustus, mm-hmm. right? Because what we have happening here is uh, that the 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 message is well. I'm going to give you uh, announce to you a message of great joy. Well, what would happen if you have like if the emperor wanted to send out things? What would he do? He would send out a messenger. That's what angel means, right? A messenger who would show up on the scene and say, I have a news of great joy proclaiming Caesar Augustus. And and, yeah, yeah. right. Right. And so now what do you have? He's saying to you, I'm giving you a message of great joy. What? That there will be a savior who is the ruler, right? Of the, of the, of the line of, of uh, David, right? Mm -hmm. That he's going to be Messiah Mm -hmm. and that he's going to what? Peace. On earth. That's what this, this, to this means people. to all, you know, to all men. Right. Yeah. So what were the things that were so critical about Caesar Augustus that he was trying to promote for himself? Ruler worldwide mm-hmm. savior and peace bringer. Right. And he makes the connection between the fact that with Caesar Augustus, this was kind of seen as like a worldwide thing. Mm-hmm. And then, so it was really important for Jesus to enter during the time of like this universality time of, of, fullness, of right. ruling, right. right. Of right. this King coming in this time where there was already this idea of ruling the world so that he literally changes the course of history mm-hmm. by being born at this moment. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And this, this announcement to the shepherds, it's a direct challenge to the throne. Oh for yeah. Caesar. Like, this oh, yeah. is like showdown time. Caesar and this baby. Right. And because uh, what happens, there's an angel. And then it says there is a whole host of angels. Now, host is a word that, like, it's the same word that they would use to describe army. What? Oh, really? Get out. Yeah. No, no. We we say a choir of angels. No, 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 no. An army of angels. So, Hmm. like, where Caesar Augustus is having, like, one dude proclaim like hey well and he might have had a legion right like he might have had the roman legions but like oh good luck with your roman legions against us you know host of angels host of angels right like this is the king of singing it's like challenge accepted (laughs) well and and again it's this it's a heavenly what did jesus say like at the you know in at the end of well at the crucifixion right my kingdom is not of this world if i wanted i could have the army of angels that is show the up. Best that's in John, right? Right. It's like the be- Jesus is like I could do it if I want, like, like <laughs> but I'm not gonna. Like, <laughs> like if we need an aerial strike, I can have this yes, happen. The but like a Jesus, that is, is not what is going on here. And then, so this is Luke, right? The beginning of Luke's gospel. Fast forward all the way to the end of Luke's entire teaching, which is um, Acts of the Apostles. 
Mm-hmm. Where is St. Paul, who's the new apostle, who's proclaiming this thing, where does he end up his whole story? In Rome, right underneath Caesar Augustus's nose, and he's proclaiming the good news right there. So this is the part of Jesus's ministry and the whole ministry of like the way in the early church that was sort of political, air quotes, political, mm-hmm. right? Like overthrowing terrible rulers. Right. Which not for worldly power. Well, that's the thing. Like you're overthrowing. See, here's the problem with it, with your typical revolution. Yeah. You overthrow this, the, the, those who are in power. And then the new revolutionary government that comes in is just as bad or worse than, than what you had overthrown. Right. So the instinct to, well, we need to, you know, have a revolution. We need to be able to, you know, fix, fix society. But the problem is when you use the tools of Mm -hmm. power and violence to overthrow oppression and violence, you simply continue the cycle. You don't actually break it. Right. Jesus is coming in and saying, no, we're going to try something entirely different. And, you know, from our perspective, we can look back and see, well, take a look here's the Christians who were willing to die like Jesus as martyrs and they transform the Roman empire in a way that no civil war or revolution ever could. Mm -hmm. It's a totally different kind of power. Hmm. That's really interesting. It's a different sort of pox, a different piece. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. One of the, just going back to the nativity scene, one of the images that, I really like that we sort of skipped over, went past, um, is the manger yes. and mm-hmm. St. Augustine's interpretation of it, mm-hmm. right? Like he was put into a place where the animals get their food because he is the food. He's our he nourishment. He's the bread of life. Yeah. Yeah. He's our, that he's our one was the one out of everything that blew me away. I was like, <clears throat> what? St. Augustine sometimes can be a little too poetic. And that's one of those moments, but I like it. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> like, I get it. It's I a Eucharist it. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's right? Like, like you like look it. at the nativity scene and right. right at the center of it, you're like, oh, this is a Eucharist thing. It's the cross. It's the Eucharist. It's, well, it's the cave that leads to the resurrection. Yeah. Right. It's this new king who is challenging. This is why it's so important to reflect on our little nativity scenes in our homes, because like, this is the event. This is where, yeah, this contains everything. So, so where would you, where would you go with this? Like if you were going to, uh, now go home and like, not only just look at and meditate, but maybe like pray with, or even talk about like your nativity scene, like what would you do or what would you recommend for like a family to do when, when, when now looking at their nativity scene to really get like all the everything out of it? Well, I think it, as a, as a parent, I think it really has to do with kind of the, the age of the kids. But I think, you know, for smaller kids, you could really, there is some of this that is, is a little heady, like, you know, the Eucharist part, um, sure. but, but there, and that's probably, you know, for older kids, that would be a really great connection. But I even think just, you know, kids love animals. So I would take for us, I would take, and maybe I will try this this year, but like just one or two of these symbols that I'm learning and just, um, guide the kids to notice. I think it's the noticing of the individual pieces that I've never done. It's almost like a scene, the whole, like this is Jesus. This is where they laid him, you know, this, but it, we've never, 
uh, taken apart the nativity. I've never in my brain taken apart. Why are the shepherds there? Right. Why Why is the the ox there? Right. Exactly. Like, or, or even just as simple as the gaze that you're saying of the animal's attention mm-hmm. to, to the scene of, of what's going on. So there, I think to take it, uh, take it apart. You know, one of the things that I've been, uh, has been a sort of a challenge for me in this is we've been doing these meditations and I've done both meditations for adults. And then I've also had to look at it and say, well, how do I turn this into a meditation that's suitable for children and for families? And I'll tell you what, one of the things that comes up from it when I force myself to have to do this is it, it forces me to take like this kind of high level concept and then say, how do, what's, what's the, what's the one essential Mm -hmm. thing? And how can I say this in the simplest language, most understandable language possible? And there's something really fantastic about it. I would love to see, like, I'd love for, for anybody listening to the podcast to come back and tell me, like, how did you take the, take your nativity scene and piece by piece, put every single one in place and describe that to your kids. Like, I would love to hear that. Absolutely. Well, and I will just say that you're really, you're really good at that. You're, you're meta, you, you can tell that you know kids because you're really good at that, at taking something that is bigger when, Mm -hmm. when the adult one is very different than than the one for the kids. Mm -hmm. And it is actually even helpful just for we as adults to get down to the very like essentials of what I know when I edit those kids ones, I'm like, I'm sure some adults listen to these too. And they (laughs) (laughs) for sure. So yeah, I, I, I would, I would encourage it to just, I think honestly, I don't spend a lot of time in Advent, uh, meditating on the nativity at all. Just so, even in general. Yeah. Yeah. So Tom, I'm going to put you on the, on, on the spot here. You okay. know, you're married, Power but of not, you know, yeah. right now you don't have kids in the house or I anything like right, that. Right. What would that look like for you as kind of a household of adults to look? Cause we oftentimes yeah. like we, we kid down sure. Christmas stuff, but sure. what as an adult, like what could that look like? Well, and this like, like really yeah. looking at the nativity scene in this particular season of mine and Emily's life, like we're expecting and so all throughout Christmas, this is kind of a cheating answer to your question all throughout Christmas or all throughout, uh, Advent, I've been like praying with the Holy family's journey, like Mary pregnant on that donkey, you know, Joseph trying to find a place to go, like thinking about, Oh, I'm going to have to drive to the hospital at some point, you know, like mm-hmm. they will have a bed, mm-hmm. hopefully. Uh, but, um, the, what really connects with me is looking at that nativity scene and seeing those two, uh, first of all, like gaze at an empty manger, Mm -hmm. the expectation, Mm. the waiting, uh, the hopefulness, the, what's he going to look like? What's he going to like, what's he going to do? Like, and then the reality of it happening, not being ideal, right. In a cave, in a stable on the ground, whatever, you know, and then just like the result that, it is what it is and everything just mm-hmm. sort of happens after that. So it's, it's really interesting because I've had to, during Advent, I think God's been calling me to say, here's like what you expect, Tom. Right. But what it's actually going to happen is going to be very different. So for me, it's like very specific into like this season of my life that I'm, that I'm experiencing. But I think that most people with kids could relate to it. But I think most adults in general could relate to like the anticipation, the waiting, the expectation, and then reality. And you know, and the, the other side of it too, is this kind of, 
if you will, the, the revolutionary edge to this. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many of us can look around and no matter where we are, be like, oh, gosh, politics is garbage right yeah. now. Right. Yeah. Like we're so in such a, a place of, of seeing where, you know, power can be abused and it's always, you know, this, this propaganda and spin that's happening no matter where you are, you know, it's all just kind of swirling around us. Right. And just become very, worn down yeah. and, oh, and yeah. discouraged and just bitter, you know, yeah. and resentful about all of it. And then here, like here you see God is like, well, I'm going to act. And it's like, Oh, good, good. What are you going to do? Who are you going to kick out of, you know, right. who are you going to kick off the throne? And it's like, no, that's, that's not how this is going to work, mm-hmm. but I do have a plan. And that's, that's something powerful to think about. It is. Yeah. And his plan is way harder, by the way. It, it feels a little <laughs> bit easier to just be bitter and angry. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And to just go with the power, whoever, whichever person or whichever place you think is should be the powerful one to just go with that instead of going right. with as the way. As if the tools of this world were going to be sufficient right. to, to fix this world. Yeah. Right. You the- kind of have to go with his version, which is a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Sorry. There, uh, so I'm just keep thinking about you asked like for just adults thinking mm-hmm. there's this one line in this book that I think is a really important takeaway for like all of Advent. If you were to distill everything yeah. in Advent to one sentence, it would be speak this. truth. This is Pope Benedict. It's not me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it says, so one aspect of becoming a Christian is having to leave behind what everyone else thinks and wants the prevailing standards in order to enter the light of the truth of our being and aided by that light to find the right path. It's all about, that was my favorite sentence in the whole book. It's all about becoming, it's all about becoming, becoming more like Christ, becoming more Christian, finding the path and leaving everything else behind. It's very, and he starts with that. He starts with leaving. You gotta, yeah. you gotta let some things go. If you're, if you're gonna go this way, you're gonna have to let. And some Joseph go. and Mary did not know that what they were doing was like this important. No, we have quite the benefit of being thousands right. of years removed. You know, we don't, and 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 I guess that's kind of the point. Like, we don't know. Like, if you know, God says do this. Oh, gosh, it seems like it's not going to change anything. What do you know? Right. Right. That's the other part of this. That's, that's a great, what do you know? <laughs> what that's do you good, know? That's a great question. We should ask a lot of people. <laughs> that's the other part of this that I've really enjoyed mm. is how this has strengthened my relationship to mother Mary and how I have mm. just been so incredibly in awe of what these, because you, you have to, in this book, it causes you to really pay attention to every detail that led to her. Yes. Um, and her actually, living that out, it it gives just a whole new, it's just amazing. She, she is amazing and she is our mother. And, uh, yeah, this has been really, really great for that. Yeah, man, this is a good chapter. Yeah. This is a really good chapter. And we've only got one more week left. I'm kind of sad. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Well, at this point though, we're, we're like, I, I mean, I, I think everybody who's listening to this, we should, we could, we can just say Merry Christmas, right? Yeah, sure, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it's, it's already Christmas basically by the time we're getting to this one. Is yeah. it? Almost. Yeah. I mean, just like days, days, days away. Days. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Well, very good. All right. Well, thanks. All right. Merry Christmas, everyone. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Being Church podcast. We love you. We're praying for you. 
Church.